Welcome to the Finance Cafe, the business podcast for women entrepreneurs that breaks through the money taboo and explores what's behind the numbers. Join your hosts, founders of the Finance Cafe, Shannon Peston, financial consultant, and Shauna Frederick, chartered professional accountant and CFO on the go, as they dive into conversations about business and finance with women entrepreneurs and the experts that support them. With their combined experience in finance and accounting, Shannon and Shauna know financial management is more than numbers and embrace the ways our unique lived experiences, capabilities, attitudes, and behaviors shape the financial decisions we make along our entrepreneurial journeys. Through the Finance Cafe, Shannon and Shauna are creating space for new conversations about money, overcoming stereotypes, and empowering women entrepreneurs to see their business in a new light, one story and one number at a time. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Finance Cafe. I am pleased to be your host. My name is Shannon Peston, and thank you for choosing to spend your time with us. When the official theme for Black History Month events for 2024 was revealed, my next guest was top of mind. This year's theme is Black Excellence, a heritage to celebrate, future to build. As one of Canada's most trailblazing women, Tiffany Callender is a community developer and social entrepreneur who has spent decades developing and implementing programs to support Canada's Black community. And her leadership was pivotal in the co-development of the Black Entrepreneurship Loan Fund. Tiffany is the co-founder of the Federation of African Canadian Economics, a Black-led nonprofit organization focused on accelerating wealth creation for Canadians of African descent. As a Black woman entrepreneur, Tiffany shares her personal journey in entrepreneurship and the importance of supporting and accelerating Black women entrepreneurs. She also shares why it's important for her to be a catalyst for Black generational wealth creation and how wealth is more than just money, but prosperity. While she's breaking barriers to help more Black women access loans for their business, she's also breaking barriers around access to support, sponsorship, mentorship, and community. Her heartfelt leadership is felt deep, and her wisdom is wise. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Tiffany, and join me in celebrating Black History Month in Canada. Tiffany, I cannot be more excited to have you with us on our show. I have been following for years and through my work with Canada's Women Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, I've had the opportunity to to have a front seat view into the person that you are and into the work that you do. But in your own words, I want to be able to welcome you. First of all, thank you. Thank you for saying yes to this. I know how busy you are. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm really glad to have this conversation with you, Shannon. I think it's long overdue, really and truly. Um, I, I totally respect the, the podcast and the work uh, that you're doing to support entrepreneurs across Canada, particularly women. Um, so I'm I'm happy to be here this morning. Well, amazing. And I think that spirit of shared experience and also very shared work that we do, I want to give you the chance to, in your own words, tell our listeners just a little bit about who you are the work that you're doing, where this all started from. Okay, great. Um, so, you know, as you mentioned, Tiffany Callender, I like to call myself uh, born, raised, and stayed Montrealer. 
uh, born to immigrant parents from the beautiful island of Barbados in the 70s, where they started their family here in the city. And I was fortunate enough to find my path onto working in the nonprofit sector. Uh, I studied in communications, but uh, you know, sometimes purpose leads you in another direction where I've now, and it's crazy to say it, I'm at 21 years of uh, community-based service in the nonprofit sector uh, in terms of leadership uh, and working on projects that are specific uh, to people of African descent. So I worked uh, before this work at FACE um, at a, one of the oldest black community organizations in Quebec. We worked on different socioeconomic strategies to really help to create access for people of African descent, uh, the Black community in particular that is English speaking in Quebec. Uh, this community is marginalized in two ways. It is an, an English speaking community and it's a visible minority community. So I believe that my work is really pulling from my experience that my parents have had, my family, my friends, in terms of really being able to reach their full potential um, as Canadians um, and as global citizens by having the access to resources that they need. And resources can be information, resources can be um, programs, resources can be finances, resources are, are, are plentiful in this country, but not available to everyone at an equitable uh, stage or an equitable amount. And I think that that's what's guided my career. And that's what led to the current project that I have worked on, uh, which is called the Federation of African Canadian Economics, which is an organization that uh, started off with an idea during COVID, which is uh, <laughs> very interesting. But yeah. as we looked at uh, COVID-19 and how we assumed, because at the time when we started this journey uh, in April, 2020, we had just started, that was the beginning of the COVID pandemic. And we didn't know what it was going to do in terms of its impact for uh, individuals, families, businesses, but we knew um, by watching the lead of the federal government rolling out these different support programs, that something would need to be done to support businesses. Um, my experience in working on an entrepreneurship strategy from about 2010 to 2015, specifically in Quebec, helping black entrepreneurs and business owners, I know the challenges that they face in terms of, again, access to uh, supports to ensure that their businesses uh, are set up with good practices and are able to uh, thrive and grow and scale, and particularly the challenges that they have access to capital. And when you're looking at a global pandemic and you're saying this is definitely going to affect businesses, um, myself, along with other Black leaders across the country, said that we need to engage with our government and speak about what needs to be done to save and to ensure that Black entrepreneurs and business owners had access to what they needed to weather the COVID-19 pandemic but then also to thrive thereafter because the limited access that black entrepreneurs have to resources in our particular focus, it was around um, finances and, and capital. Uh, that is a longstanding issue that uh, predeceded um, or preceded, I should say, um, the COVID-19 pandemic. But now we had a crisis on our hands and we had to make sure that we could give that support. And through our engagement uh, with the government of Canada, I like to call it uh, a conversation that led to a co-design that led to uh, a, a comprehensive program, which is called the Black Entrepreneurship Program, which raised a historical uh, $330 million uh, that would be invested in Black businesses in Canada. Of that amount, um, FACE, the Federation of African Canadian Economics, which I'm the co-founder and CEO, we manage a $160 million loan fund 
uh, for Black entrepreneurs across the country where they can borrow up to $250,000. And uh, we are coming up on our third year uh, in operations. Uh, we launched in May 2021. And, uh, you know, this has been not only a pleasure to serve in this way, my community, but it, it's also been uh, quite a uh, an experience that has allowed me to grow um, as an executive and the CEO of this historic organization. Wow, there's so much to in, unpack in what you said that it's even hard for me to to know <laughs> where I want to start. But let's go back to you were talking about COVID-19 and one of the things that the research shows us and what we really experienced was the way that COVID-19 had different effects on different populations. And I love when you mentioned the word co-creation and conversations with government. What was that journey like? Because we knew that the, this was going to hit marginalized communities uh, at, a, at a deeper systemic level. And I think one of the challenges was that many Black entrepreneurs, Indigenous entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs couldn't even access the relief funds that were out there. And so when there's no template, we didn't, we weren't prepared for this as an economy, this massive scale pandemic, but how did you know that this was going to be part of your service, that you were going to help highlight the barriers, highlight the inequities uh, and move forward? And what did that process look like working with government? Uh, like that's, that's a huge, huge role. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think the first thing is, is, as I mentioned, I was the executive director of an organization in Quebec that had worked on entrepreneurship, but in general worked with the Black community. And that is, you know, different demographics. And again, at the baseline, um, lack of access um, is, is, is the foundation of the work that I've always done. How do I create access to create better outcomes, to be able to allow and, and, and give the opportunity for individuals to create a new trajectory for themselves, right? Um, and I think when we were looking at, uh, again, the government of Canada's uh, actions uh, in response to COVID-19, one of them was the Canadian Emergency Bank Account. Uh, and we said, this is great. They're going to be able to make available, you know, $40,000 at 0% interest uh, to be paid over the course of two years, forgivable 20% uh, if you're able to um, pay up to 80% uh, percent before the end of term. We said, this is a great tool. Uh, and this is a great uh, response that will help businesses to survive this uh, evolving uh, crisis, which was COVID-19. The challenge was, or what we knew the challenge would be in terms of Black entrepreneurs having access to that particular crisis response um, from the government was really the frail and um, fragile relationship that existed between Black entrepreneurs and financial institutions who would be administering this program on behalf of the government. So if prior to COVID-19, you have at best a strained relationship with the bank or at worst, a non-existing one as a business owner with the financial institution, and we recognize and the data shows that there are barriers to access for people of color and marginalized communities when trying to access certain products through financial institutions, we knew that this response from government was good, but would not reach everyone. We understood that this would not be a tide that rises all boats and some people would be left behind. And this gave us the catalyst to have the conversation with the government of Canada to say, this is a great program that you've put through, but let's go into the weeds. Let's dive deep into the particular realities of 
um, a, a segment of the population that may not be able to access this, whether it's based on the criteria of the actual um, product that was being offered, or again, the lack of the relationship and history with financial institutions who were administering on behalf of. And through that conversation and raising that awareness, which is a big part of the work that we do in community, it's to raise awareness to all stakeholders. And we had to bring the full story of the experience of Black entrepreneurs to the forefront of government to say, although this is a great strategy, we need to look at something that's more tailored to, be, to ensure that Black business owners would have access to capital. And again, remind them that this is a longstanding issue that we have the opportunity to address through this momentum or this moment that is called COVID, but then can go beyond that. And we can see the outcomes and the change that would be affected by empowering the community to co-design with government, a program that would respond to the needs of black entrepreneurs and for the community to also be the administrators of this fund so that we understand the reality. Uh, Shannon, you know, they say there's the five C's, right? Of lending and credit. But you very know, familiar like with those, yeah. <laughs> right, you know, but then I like to say there's the sixth, which is culture. And this is the additional lens that is brought to the forefront when Black professionals who have worked in finance and have worked in lending are able to apply their expertise, skill, and experience directly to the consumer that they are um, targeting and serving, which is a member of their own community. So that was really the driving force and the idea behind um, shining a light on the particular experience of a marginalized community and creating a pathway or a, a different pathway or access to capital. Wow. So let's talk about access to capital for one second. And I love, love, love that you think about culture in this context and the role that it plays. And, um, you know, it, it just, there's so much room for expansion in that five C's of credit we know, and I don't want to get too in the weeds about what those are, but I want to ask you from your perspective. And I think it's an important conversation to have because some of our listeners actually work in the ecosystem. They might be lenders themselves, whether in developmental uh, lending organizations or traditional banks, but also I think for entrepreneurs to understand why do we have, and it's a big question, but let's talk about the, the financial barriers that exist for black entrepreneurs. Can you comment a little bit on that? Because I also think it's important um, even for black women to understand, because we're not we're not even sure sometimes about the systems that we confront. So can we dive into those barriers a little bit deeper? Absolutely. So I think that, again, your Canadian experience or our Canadian experience is not uh, um, it's not the same in the essence of the way in which you navigate existing systems and the ease in which you have to understand them, um, pursue them, or even action uh, steps in those systems, there are barriers that exist. We will not shy away from the idea that there is definitely uh, discrimination and bias that exists in longstanding systems in this country. And that is a, is a, is a fact. But now the opportunity is how do we address those barriers? And there's key things that we have to make available to not only the systems that exist, but and the stakeholders that are involved with them, but also the actual users. So in this case, the entrepreneurs, I believe that there's four main pillars that you have to equip entrepreneurs with to have success. And the first thing is access to information. And when we're dealing with 
um, black entrepreneurs, particularly women. And in that, there's also the intersectionality of that. If you're newly arrived to the country, if you're an immigrant, if you are a young person that is interested in accessing capital, if you are have uh, two different statuses that make you um, marginalized or that can that an intersectionality exists, like being a part of the LGBTQ plus community and also being black, um, there is reason that you may be outside of the existing ecosystems that inform you of how access to capital works, what you need, how you need to prepare yourself, what do you need to manage personally, how do you put your best foot forward, I would say, or put yourself in an advantage point to be able to have access to commercial capital. Yeah, and we knowledge is power. Knowledge That's right. we, is power. We cannot assume that everybody has that information based on how their what their Canadian experience has been. So if you are from a community that is has experienced uh, historically uh, slavery, um, mm -hmm. or if you are from a community that suffered under laws that um, excluded you from having the opportunity to uh, acquire land or buy a home, or these are things that are generational because they're blinders. So access to information is definitely one. The second thing is access to processes and best practices. If you are starting a business, you need to be guided on what are the key elements or the key um, pieces that you need to set up your business uh, fundamentally so that when you are on the road to becoming finance ready, again, you are finance ready. A bank can look at you and say, all right, so now you have the elements that we need to be able to assess whether you can have access to capital. And that's not any different at face because we ask for our applicants to have business plan to have your financial projections ready if you're an existing business you've got to have your um, audited statements you know your financial statements that tell us a little bit about um, how your business is performing and and the revenue that you're generating and the losses that you've taken and we need to know where you're going so these are best practices that need to be put in place and there are resources that can help to do that the third thing in my mind is that you have to have mentors and sponsors and i always distinguish between the two because yeah. a mentor is somebody who could be in a completely different sector than you, has been in business for a long time, but they are able to give you insight as you make decisions as a new business owner to start a business or as an existing business that is now trying to scale and trying to grow their company. Sponsorship is when somebody takes you by the hand and leads you into their network and vouches for you to say, this is somebody that you can do business with. And that is also lacking, again, from the perspective of a community that has been outside of systems because of exclusion, because of bias, because of discrimination, that they may not have those networks to identify or find a mentor or a sponsor. And then the last piece is actually capital, which we talked to, I talked about at the beginning. But what I'll emphasize there is again, the ability for community to be empowered to understand the reality of the particular group and the marginalization or the barriers that they have faced over time and being able to look at how we build a pathway or open the aperture for access to capital that will allow a business to start. A business cannot run without money. And yeah. if if without that, you're not going anywhere. But I really believe that those four pillars are categorically necessary for an entrepreneur to thrive. And this is the opportunity to expose them to, immerse them in, and to share knowledge about those four pillars so that they can have success. Wow. I want to um, go back on just a couple of the things that you were talking about, because I love how you distinguished mentor and sponsors. And 
We need financial role models as well. I think role models play such an important uh, role for us and the sponsors help us get in the door and leverage their networks. And there's many of us are lacking financial role models or financial sponsors that can, that can give us that. The other thing that I wanted to unpack too is around the knowledge and the learning. And it's, it's, I think such an opportunity for us to talk about financial literacy and what does that mean from an entrepreneurial perspective? What are those key financial considerations that I need to be very well aware of to run a success like a and success is kind of a bad word because success has a different a different measurement for everyone. But at yes. the end of the day, for us to be entrepreneurs, we still need to think about the financial viability of our company and how we're bringing in revenue and how we're managing those expenses, how we're protecting the business that we've created. One of the things that I come across very often though in this journey of working with women entrepreneurs is unpacking the definition of wealth and what makes a company more than just the one bottom line. And it's interesting to me because I do a lot of work in our indigenous communities and myself, I am indigenous and there's a whole, we have a whole different perspective on what wealth means and what comes with wealth. And I think there's a, an inherent conflict between the way the Western world sees wealth and the way that many of us view wealth. And as somebody who is passionately committed to being a catalyst for black generational wealth creation, how do you look at wealth and what does wealth creation mean for you? That is a, that is a fantastic question. And you're very right that again, and this is where culture comes into play because we have a different definition of what we mean when we describe wealth. Um, in the context, in, in a larger sense, and I'm, I'm sharing this from a, a dear colleague of mine, also from the indigenous community who we have a lot of conversations, um, it is that wealth is about prosperity. I think, and that is something that the, um, people of African descent are looking for. Wealth is yes, um, being able to build generational wealth, to be able to have um, security across the legacy of your family and those that you love. That is done by the works and the, the actions that you were able to take when you are uh, the acting, or I would say the, the performing generation of that time um, and looking to the future to say, we are going to set it up so that our legacy, our lineage is going to be able to have consistency and can can maintain uh, an opportunity to continue to grow. But when I think about the word wealth and what it means for people of African descent, it is, again, I come back to the idea of prosperity and to prosper, the wellness that you have has to be first in yourself, um, um, your mental state, your ability to feel as though, again, you can create a trajectory for yourself because the tools are available to you. Mm -hmm. um, and then how that reflects in the idea of community. Um, you know, the African um, mindset is one of I, but also community, right? Everybody knows the idea of Ubuntu and that finds itself replicated in different African um, concepts or understandings that I am because we are, right? So it has to be that when we think about our success individually, it's also how that then replicates or multiplies within our community itself. So when I think about wealth, um, from the perspective of creating wealth, and this is the mission of, of FACE, it's really about creating an opportunity for individuals to act with all of the information, tools, and opportunity that they need to then be able for that to multiply, not only in their immediate community, which is their family, but the extended community. And this brings 
true wealth because now we've prospered as a group. So that's what I think about, you know, philosophically. Um, but in terms of FACE's mission, it is to create generational wealth for Black Canadians or people of African descent through working uh, with partners and institutions to create that pathway. So this is the important sense that I want people to understand about when we say wealth, wealth could never just be monetary. Wealth is a collective of things and it's creating the environment for that to thrive. So it is what needs to exist or what needs to be true in order for us to create this wealth that we seek, which will create more equity in the world. I love that it's just a philosophical perspective that you are bringing to the table, but I think it's a very powerful statement and one that I, I certainly share that philosophy. And I know that um, many of us do. I want to go back to talking about the role of entrepreneurship in generational wealth and the importance of women entrepreneurs, women entrepreneurs of African descent. Talk to me a little bit about that in the context of generational wealth. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to start from a personal note and then go back to what we've seen um, women um, who have worked with face black women, women of African descent, uh, how they've shown up for this program and the success that we're seeing. But I'll start from a personal note. Um, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother uh, was an entrepreneur now being born in the forties uh, in, again, the beautiful island of Barbados, but nonetheless at a time where a woman um, who was a mother um, would not have the necessary support, social support uh, and, and infrastructure and, and access to the resources that she needed to be a business owner, she was a business owner. And this is how she took care of her five children. Um, and it gave her a certain level of autonomy um, it also gave her the flexibility. She was someone who owned uh, her own uh, local shop, so what we would call it corner stores. And then she was also a hairdresser, which she was you know, trained to do so in Trinidad and then um, was offering the service in the Caribbean, in Barbados. And the reality of it was, is when in the 1950s, when Barbados had the worst hurricane it's ever had in history, um, she lost um, a part of her, her home. So she had to move with her children um, through one of her pregnancies, she had, you know, morning sickness and, and, and she had difficulties in her pregnancy. So one of her businesses uh, went to the wayside and had to close, but she held on to her hairdressing business. And this gave her the flexibility to be a working mother, but who was really building a future for her children. All of her children, she paid for their education. They migrated to different countries and they found success. Um, and this is, for me, a very important story because it is a story that a lot of women uh, have seen in their lives, whether it's their mothers or grandmothers or aunts or sisters, or that they are acting out themselves. And we have to understand that when we support women in being entrepreneurs, there's a few key things that are happening there. We are ensuring the wellness of this woman in society that can become an example, to your point, the mentors that we hope to see, the stories that we need to see to know that it's possible. The second piece is if that woman has decided to be a mother or even, you know, be an extended parent or, or support to other children, they are through their actions inculcating the idea that you can be a business owner. This changes the mindset of what children, particularly girls, can understand can be their future pathway. And lastly, the strength of any community is the, is the wealth, not the wealth, but the health 
of women. And a part of that is their autonomy to be able to support themselves and to create wealth within their community. So for me, um, and I wrote about this uh, in a piece that I wrote, an op-ed in the Montreal Gazette about the story of my grandmother, because I thought it was important to share that if we all look around us, there's one woman or many women that have been courageous enough to start a business and maybe scale that business and have employed other people in their community, particularly other women. And this is the domino effect that we that we gain if we empower women to have businesses. How it showed up at FACE is that in the first year, 30% um, of the applicants uh, that we were able to finance at FACE were women. And an interesting fact is that 84% of the people that we finance in year one were born outside of Canada. So it's almost as though we've had a double impact where we've had women that have applied. And of those women, some of them were born outside of Canada and are starting their new Canadian experience with us in this country. And we've been able to put them on a pathway of starting or growing an existing business. And this is powerful. And I'm very proud of that. And we saw growth into year two um, with women going up to 33%. And I, I hope that we uh, continue to see growth in women that are accessing the loan fund and accessing the supports that they need to, to start and scale their businesses. Hmm. I can't help but think about, as you're talking, the importance of economic empowerment and how our businesses provide that for us. They are a pathway to economic self-sufficiency where we can really evoke change, not just within ourselves, but our families and our communities. And it makes me think of a I've mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I sat down with Bobby Reset once and she said, Shannon, entrepreneurship is medicine. And that has always stayed with me. And I carry that with my own journey. But when we think about the powerful system of money, money impacts every other systemic challenge. So food insecurity, violence against women, um, the list can go on health of our, of our women. So it's, this mm -hmm. is to me, women's entrepreneurship is such an important part of economic self-sufficiency and building a path forward. Because as we know, when we invest in women, our communities, our families thrive. You mentioned your grandmother, who obviously is a role model for you as well. But in 2022, the last time I saw you in real life, uh, you were being awarded with what was the RBC Women Entrepreneur of the Year Award. And I'm sorry, I can't remember the category, but I, you know what stands out to me more than anything about that night was watching you with your daughter. And I, I actually get goosebumps thinking about that. I remember exactly where I was when I saw you and I got to give you a big a big hug. And I just watched her watching you. So, you know, often when we uh, are recognized for achievements, it's a very internal, uh, personal experience, but there was somebody important watching you that night. What was that like for you? Um, when I found out that I was going to receive the RBC Women of Influence Award uh, in the categories of one to watch, uh, I was very surprised. I was humbled. I was excited. And immediately I had to break the news to my two sons that mommy and your sister are going on a road trip. <laughs> because, <laughs> Why can't we come? <laughs> right. And I said, no, I, I feel as though this is a wonderful opportunity, not only to share that experience with her um, and to, to, to that we have that 
collective memory, but she was going to be in the room with a bunch of powerful women who have dared to start these businesses in all sectors, uh, you know, across the country. I just thought it was a phenomenal opportunity to do that. And uh, having her there, again, you know, one of the things I will probably, I may forget my name one day, but I remember that night because watching her be in that room and, you know, when I went up on stage, I remember I came back and I said, she goes, mommy, like all these people know you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's that's what this is. And I and I told her, I go, so now you know there's nothing out of your reach. That mm. was that was the only thing that I, I I wanted, the message I wanted to pass to her is that uh you I'm exchangeable on that stage for you or for any young other la young lady who has the 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 tools and the discipline and the drive to be able to push themselves forward so they can be in a room like that. And it's a very memorable moment for me. Well, and obviously it was for me too, because I'm still getting the goosebump factor <laughs> years, years mm -hmm. later, you know, at the finance cafe, we um, also believe in empowering women through conversations about financial literacy and the importance of embracing a lifelong relationship with money. And I want to get your perspective on why is it so important that we open up conversations with women specifically and bring a diverse perspective to this, please. But why is it so important that we have conversations about money and finance? So the first thing is, is that again, when you empower a woman uh, through giving her access to information, to uh, networks, to resources, uh, this woman becomes ultimately a library um, and becomes access immediately to others in her family. Uh, the power of being a woman in my perspective is that we come embedded, downloaded in our programming, the idea of nurture. And when you're able to nurture others, that means you're able to share, you're able to give, you're able to provide in a very uh, particular way, support that helps you grow. So when I think about these women who amass information around financial literacy and what that means. What do you need to understand about credit? What do you need to understand about, about your own personal credit scores? What does that mean when you're dealing with interest rates and products and all these things? Although these things uh, need to be delivered to everyone, I believe that when you give it to a woman and you ensure that she has that understanding and she has a safe space to ask questions and she's able to um, scrutinize the data and even challenge what the use of those tools uh, would mean to her. Uh, I think that then you're empowering her to be able to nurture and share that with others, her children, the people in her community, in her family. And that for me is very, very powerful. The other piece that I think is why it's very important is that um, women manage a different perspective. And now I'm going to speak particularly to the women that I've encountered on my journey uh, working in community and then particularly in this role as a CEO of FACE, if you are a mother, but you are a single mother and the way in which products are presented to you means that you're going to take risks, like for example, using your home as a guarantee where your children live. This is a risk on risk decision for this woman. And this is why it's very important that we ensure that we look at what we are asking people to do in order to have access to the capital that would help them to create their own success. So if we don't take those considerations, uh, those, those elements into consideration, we have to understand that we may be creating a barrier because we are not understanding the reality of the user. Okay. So I use as an example to talk about why it's important to 
educate, but also to adapt programming and access and access to resources so that we are not asking people to go out on a limb. Because listen, the mothers that I've met, they've said it. They're like, I'm not putting my house as a guarantee. If that, if anything happens, my children live there. And mm -hmm. that's a real statement. So how do we help this woman have access? What is the ways that we can safeguard her or walk her through the process of then being ready to take that risk? And these are the things that we need to think through as service providers and as uh, stewards of these programs. Uh, what does granting look like? What does um, creating, you know, forgivable or convertible loans look like? Like we could go on and on about what needs to exist so that we can um, not eliminate risk because being an entrepreneur and borrowing capital is about risk. But how do we not make it risk on risk where someone would dare not leap because they will lose too much in what we are entitled to as business owners and entrepreneurs, which is to try and fail. But what I might lose and what failure looks like, which should just be learning, could be very different for me than it is for somebody else. Wow, I love the what if questions that you ask. And I think that's so important when it comes to transforming the financial system. So I want to give you just a little bit of time to invite women entrepreneurs to hear a little bit more about what you're doing at FACE and how they can access some of the programs and support and the financing. So let me give you some time to um, to talk about that. Excellent. Thank you so much. So FACE, the Federation of African Canadian Economics, I invite all women of African descent who are interested in starting a business or who have an existing business that would need access to debt capital uh, to come and visit us at our website at www.facecoalition.com. Um, and this is where you'll find the details of our program. We have a micro lending program uh, that lends between 10,000 to 25,000 currently in two provinces in Ontario and in British Columbia. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll have some <laughs> updates on that shortly. Um, and if you want to borrow from 25,000 up to 250,000, you are able to apply for that if you're an existing business. We do support startups and they can borrow up to $50,000 and all of the criteria is available on the website. But if you need to ask questions and you'd like to speak to somebody, we also have the FACE Support Center, which is our kind of our customer service department where they would be glad to take your inquiry, to have a call with you, walk you through the application process, which is done also on the website where you would create a portal and really give you all the necessary information that you would need about the loan program. But more than that, we can refer you to other organizations that help with capacity building. So if you need to develop your business plan, if you need to create your projections or you need to get your financial statement prepared or any of the items that you would need to have to be able to present yourself, uh, to be able to apply for a loan, our Face Support Center also can refer you to local organizations under the Black Entrepreneurship Programs and also others. We have many partners like the BDC, Alterna, Vance City, and many others that can give you the tools to help to build what you are looking for. Um, we are part of a federal program, so the Black Entrepreneurship Program, but there are also other great programs as well, the Women's Entrepreneurship Knowledge Hub, the Women's Entrepreneurship Program, and we have relationships with all of these um, programs and different organizations. And this is where you can find what I would call women's spaces, where you can network with other women and kind of build relationship and to learn. Um, so I would encourage you to, again, go to facecoalition.com. You can find us, all of our social media handles are under Face Coalition. So follow us on IG, on LinkedIn, on X, formerly known as Twitter, and on Facebook. 
<laughs> and we'll be glad uh, to, to support you in your journey of becoming finance ready. Well, we'll make sure that we put all of those links inside our show notes so that listeners can find quick access to you. Tiffany, as we wrap up, I want to ask you some of your own personal advice that you will have for other women when it comes to pursuing their entrepreneurial dreams. Okay. So I've asked, I'm asked this question often. And what I would say is that I am also an entrepreneur. I'm a social entrepreneur. Um, I've started and scaled a nonprofit business that helps entrepreneurs to access capital and help them to grow generational wealth. What did that personally take? It took one, the confidence to understand that I can undertake through my personal experience, my professional experience, and more than that, my understanding of what my community needs to be able to co-found and lead a historic organization. So confidence is one. Two, you have to be bold. And being bold means that although you look left and right and you might not be able to say a direct model of what you want to do, you say, I'm going to go forward. And with that bold attitude, you have to also um, resign yourself to know that you do not know everything but if you are uh, steadfast and you ask questions and you reach out to people and you engage with them, there are more wonderful people on the planet than there are those of poor character who will help you to access the information that you need. So I tell women, you have to be confident, you have to be bold, and you have to resign. You have to understand and be vulnerable enough to say that I don't know everything, but I'm going to stay the course and I'm going to ask and reach out for support so I can move to the next step of this journey. Um, I've met so many courageous women um, through this process of leading face and their stories are incredible. The challenges that they've faced, whether personally or through immigration or through their professional careers, and they've decided that they are going to be counted in. Count me in because I have something to give the world. I see my position in the market and I'm going to develop something that is not only uh, useful, but that will be marketable and that people will be able to enjoy and support. And this is the mindset that you have to have. The other thing that I would say is not every day is easy. <laughs> Gosh, get, used no. to the idea, get used to the idea of being, having bad days and, you know, really difficult days, but just like a storm, those pass. And then you have a few sunny days to navigate. So there are going to be ups and downs. Don't expect a straight line. Don't expect your business to even, you know, you know, the traditional hockey stick and all these things. You will go through the paces of building your business. And that story is unique mm -hmm. in the essence of how you experience. But there are other people who have built similar businesses that can give you insight and give you guidance and kind of advise or even just give you food for thought so that you are able to spark your next step. So this is why, again, those four pillars, ladies, access to information, access to best practices, access to mentors and sponsors, and then you get yourself finance ready to get access to the capital, whether it's debt or eventually equity. So we can see more businesses scale. We can see more IPOs from women out of Canada. You know, that that'll be the glorious day, but we've got to put in the work and, and stay focused and stay on top of it. Well, I know that you are staying on top of it and you are doing the work and you said so many beautiful things in there, but as you're talking about all the courageous women, you know, I'm sitting here looking at you thinking about how courageous you are and how brave and how bold you have been in this journey. And I didn't 
give you this question ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure I was even going to ask it until now. So we can always edit it out if we need to. <laughs> okay. So let me, let me preface it. Mm -hmm. As somebody who is a trailblazer and, and who is redefining generational wealth for people of African descent, when you think about face and you think about what is it five, 10 years down the road, it doesn't even have to be that long, but if there was a moment where, you know, I have done it, what does that moment look like? Wow. Um, I'm going to start with the first program that FACE put forward, which is the administration of the Black Entrepreneurship Loan Fund. We would have done it when we have businesses that have gone on an extended journey with us, meaning we have businesses that have taken initial capital with us, have worked through their company to the next milestone, have returned to take additional capital with us, have grown and scaled to the next stage. So when we have a continuity of um, clients that are coming back to us and saying, remain our partner on this journey, right? We are not just your financing institution and you are not just some client. We're on, we're on a journey together. I think that we would have made it. When we continue to see the demographics of our program uh, to have to include more women and many immigrants and people of different, um, you know, again, in their current Canadian experience where they decide to pick up entrepreneurship and we were able to be a support, I think we'd be able to say, this is a moment for face. Um, when we are able to project back to um, not to stakeholders and institutions and government, what is the true portrait and reality of what Black entrepreneurs need to thrive in this country and we can influence policy changes, we would have made it, you understand? So these are the things in terms of the loan program. When I look at FACE in the future as the inaugural CEO, I see us moving into the other pillars that would create um, an environment. Like I said before, what conditions need to exist? What needs to be true for us to create generational wealth, which is down the path of um, financial literacy. It is going down the path of um, employment uh, and seeing employment rates rise uh, for, for Black uh, Canadians. It's the idea of um, accumulating wealth and assets, buying their first home, investing over time. Um, these are the things that I would see down the road. And I might not be in the CEO chair when that happens, but I'm definitely doing the groundwork so that the future leaders of this institution, because that's what we've built with this organization. I've never seen it as a program. I see it as an institution. Um, many decades down the road, I want it to be understood and synonymous to any young person or any woman or anybody from the community, if they want to start a business or they want to scale their business, that face is there. It's, 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 it's understood. It's a part of our culture, of our lexicon, we know that we can face the future together. You like that, eh? I just kind of swung that in. <laughs> I absolutely. The marketing team I is going like to be like, I love it. <laughs> but this comes with the passion for what you do. And and I feel it. I know that this is, this is you and this is true. And I couldn't think of a better leader for the organization and taking us to um, your vision. So I cannot wait to follow along and we are always here to support as well and to um, amplify the amazing work that you're doing. So as we close off, I want to be able to just go off on, uh, it's hard to beat the high note that you just left us on. So uh, thanks for, <laughs> thanks, 
Thanks for making my job difficult. (laughs) (laughs) But is there a special mantra or a quote or a source of inspiration that you want to leave us all with? You know, there's many that uh, I use to guide myself personally, but I'm going to use the one that I think um, I've used in building with my co-founders and um, my team at FACE. I got to shout out my team uh, at FACE and our board of directors and all of our, our partners is coming in as someone who wanted to ensure that this program not only took off, but it soared is that I want to make it plain and make it plain is a quote from Malcolm X. And uh, he was giving a very famous speech. I believe it was delivered in Harlem where he said, make it plain. And the reason why you need to make it plain is because you want everybody to understand what's going on around them or in their space. When you make things plain, you are making it that someone can see themselves in what is being presented to them. Often we mask through language or through facade or through marketing or through imagery, things that make people believe that that's not for me. That's not, I don't understand what's being said to me. I don't understand what's being shown. So it's not for me. So then at the baseline of this work in wanting to create generational wealth for my community and people of African descent in Canada, I had to decide that access is done by making it plain. Mm. No barriers, no shell, no filters. No facade. No facade. And people will rise to the occasion because I've seen my community, when given the opportunity, create wonderful, amazing pathways to creating, again, the trajectory that they want for themselves and their family, their community, and their country. Well, Tiffany, you always show us that there is a beautiful future ahead and that each of us can play a role. And sometimes it just takes one person, the voice of one person to say we can make a difference and community follows. So you have a beautiful community around you. I applaud the heart and the spirit and the wisdom and the passion that you bring to your work. I know that you have left our listeners with some really powerful statements. And as we wrap up with Black History Month, I think it's just so important to bring your voice to the table to see the differences that that people of African descent are facing, uh, but the opportunity that comes when we bring everybody and give everybody an equal seat at the table. So Tiffany, thank you. We'll follow your journey. We'll put everything in the show notes and from the bottom of my heart. Uh, I wish you well. Thank you so much, Shannon. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Finance Cafe podcast. We would be grateful if you could show some love for your favorite finance podcast. Just like, subscribe, and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening from and help other listeners like you connect with us. Want to deepen your relationship to your business finances and feel more empowered by the stories the numbers create? Check out our business financial learning experiences designed specifically for women entrepreneurs by women entrepreneurs. And as a valued listener, we're offering you an exclusive discount to our learning experiences. Simply use the code PODCAST10 to get 10% off. Visit thefinancecafe.ca to begin your journey.